Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. On Saturday, December 18th, an ember day in the Advent season, Francis the Great and Merciful bestowed upon all the good trad boys and girls an early Christmas gift. Through his mouthpiece, Archbishop Arthur Roach, a draconian clarification of Traditionis Custodis was issued in response to some dubia allegedly posed to the Congregation for Divine Worship, allegedly coming from bishops who had submitted questions to the Vatican about some of the ambiguous points in the document Traditionis Custodis that had been issued in July on a Marian feast day. And I say allegedly because, to echo what Father Z says on his own blog, it's very doubtful that this came from any bishops, though I have heard that some bishops in Poland did ask for clarification. We'll, we'll see if that was what the impetus for this was. This document, called Responses ad Dubium, was itself full of contradictory statements and allusions to being able to ignore sections of it for the bishops in case of emergency, while contradicting those same statements in other places. What was given to the church was a hot mess, on top of a hot mess of Traditionis Custodis, and the responses to that hot mess have come in fast and furious. So let's take a look at the story. A special thanks to the patrons of this channel whose support enabled me to drop everything and rush to provide the initial special coverage of this on Saturday. It is appreciated. Now let's briefly talk about synodality, though, because it is the elephant in the room in all of this discussion. When the rumors of the release of Francis's Christmas gift were coming in fast in the days leading up to Ember Saturday, a friend of mine on Twitter had this observation. Quote, they are doing this because, among other reasons, the synod they are planning is failing. I talked to a person who shall remain nameless who said that it is not unusual for zero people to show up to much publicized synodal meetings for the laity. End quote. That's correct, and I've heard the same thing elsewhere. Virtually no one among the laity cares about the Synod on Synodality, which is a de facto Third Vatican Council, and so Francis must act to squash tradition while he can because the only laity paying real attention to the things going on in the Church are traditional Catholics and those who are at least sympathetic to our desire to maintain the traditions of our forebears in the faith. Dr. Brian McCall at Catholic Family News, which is both a great traditional Catholic newspaper and a YouTube channel by the same name covering the crisis in the Church, published a long article describing what will come from this document. I highly recommend you read it. I've got a few lengthy excerpts here for you, but it doesn't do it justice. I'll have links to all this stuff today in my show notes at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Skip past the Patreon pop-up. There is no paywall for my sources. Now, for those of you who've asked for a summary of what the document does in a little more depth, here's what uh, McCall has to say on what responses at dubium will do. Quote, if diocesan bishops choose to obey the unjust commands contained in the new CDW document, it will mean the disappearance of the traditional mass from parish churches and the end of confirmations and ordinations in the traditional rite, outside of the Society of St. Pius X. The new document makes the rumored visitations of the Ecclesia Dei communities a mere formality, as the document contains a death sentence for those institutes in the form in which they were founded. It makes clear that every priest of the Ecclesia Dei communities must concelebrate the new Mass. It also forbids their seminarians from being ordained in the traditional rite. These measures will likely empty their seminaries of anyone who entered due to a commitment to the traditional rite. 
It eviscerates their unique charism and says they have no real reason to exist anymore, having failed in their original mission to lead people to the new liturgy. The introductory letter from Archbishop Roach makes clear the goal of every response to eventually eliminate any celebration of the preconciliar liturgy and enforce complete adherence, with no exceptions, to the Protestantized and doctrinally deficient new Mass. Roche makes clear that, quote, every prescribed norm has always had the sole purpose of enforcing this eventual uniformity. He repeats the fallacious propaganda that the new Mass, which obscures such doctrines as the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, the sacrificial nature of the Mass, the unique role of the sacrificing priest, the communion of saints, sin, and the unique privileges of the Blessed Virgin Mary, was actually a, quote, reform so that the truth of the faith as celebrated might appear ever more in all its beauty. In Orwellian doublespeak, they always mean the opposite of the truth. Whereas the new Missal obscures Catholic truth, in Archbishop Anabali Bugnini's words, by stripping, quote, from our Catholic prayers and from the Catholic liturgy, everything which can be a shadow of a stumbling block to our separated brethren, that is, for the Protestants, end quote, Archbishop Roach and his cohort falsely claim the new Mass makes Catholic truth clearer and more beautiful. How does stripping it away make it more beautiful? End quote. I'll return to Dr. McCall's article in a moment. But reactions to Francis's monumental overreach came in hot over the weekend. I have a roundup here of those reactions because they all point to something. The document is the product of a sense of desperation in Rome that they are losing, a point that will go into more in the coming days. For now, let's start with Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, who issued a response within hours of the release of the document. His response reminds us that this document is a cruel act of injustice against the faith. Writing in 1 Peter 5, he states, quote, Understandably, people want and need to have a reasonable certainty that a given act is contrary to the common good before they ignore it or oppose it. It was not difficult to see, even before today, that the Vatican's opponents of the traditional liturgical rites of the Church of Rome are animated by an animosity toward tradition that is totally incompatible with the Catholic faith and an animosity toward the faithful who adhere to tradition that is totally contrary to charity and the much vaunted desire for unity and communion, which is just mere lip service. However, by releasing a document like this, so full of malice, pettiness, hatred, and cruelty, and so abundant in its lies, exactly one week before the great feast of Christ's nativity shows, more eloquently than any other gesture possibly could, that we are dealing with thugs who have set themselves against our spiritual good, our vocations, our families, in such a way that their attack on the church's common good could not possibly be more apparent. End quote. Those are strong words. And even more strong is the evidence provided in his, in his piece that the great saints and theologians of the faith from better times all exhort us to resist these actions, to not give in, to not surrender to the modernists in Rome, even to the Pope himself. He provides several examples. Quote, Let's remind ourselves of what our forefathers in the faith said about such a situation. Thomas Cardinal Cajetan, quote, You must resist to his face a Pope who is openly tearing the church apart. Francisco de Vittoria, Quote, if the Pope by his orders and his acts destroys the Church, one can resist him and impede the execution of his commands. St. Robert Bellarmine, quote, as it is lawful to resist the Pope if he, if he assaulted a man's person, so it is lawful to resist him if he assaulted souls or troubled the state, and much more if he strove to destroy the Church. It is lawful, I say, to resist him by not doing what he commands and hindering the execution of his will. Sylvester Prieras, quote, he, the Pope, does not have the power to destroy, 
Therefore, if there is evidence that he is doing it, it is licit to resist him. The result of all this is that if the Pope destroys the church by his orders and acts, he can be resisted, and the execution of his mandate prevented. The right of open resistance to prelates' abuse of authority stems for also from the natural law. Francisco Suarez, quote, If the Pope lays down an order contrary to right customs, one does not have to obey him. If he tries to do something manifestly opposed to justice and to the common good, it would be licit to resist him. If he attacks by force, he could be repelled by force, with the moderation characteristic of a good defense. End quote. He points out that this document is in fact a Christmas gift of a real kind from Francis because, quote, by showing that its authors hate Catholic tradition, hate con continuity with the past, hate the faithful, they make it easy for us to see that they are acting against the common good and therefore deserve to be resisted. End quote. I hope someone sends this document to the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, what, what uh, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski says, to the FSSP and other groups who formerly affiliate with the Ecclesia Dei because they need to resist the document. The FSSP do not look as if they plan to resist at all, however. They issued a short statement on Saturday night that is for everyone who, like me, wants to see them take a hard stand. Well, that statement was, we'll say, disappointing. The FSSP were founded because their founding members rejected the consecration of bishops against the will of Rome, as done by Archbishop Lefebvre in 1988. They had all been former members of the Society of St. Pius X. And that, that consecration by Archbishop Lefebvre in 1988 was done on the heels of the original Pacamama event in the church two years prior, as well as the various duplicitous statements that had come out of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith at that time. At the core of the FSSP's mission is obedience even unto error. Here's the FSSP statement in full, quote, The recent document for the Congregation for Divine Worship, released on December 18th, does not directly address the former Ecclesia Dei communities, such as the priestly fraternity of St. Peter, who possess their own proper law. The members of the fraternity of St. Peter promised to be faithful to our constitutions at the time of our admittance into the fraternity, and we remain committed to exactly that fidelity to the successor of Peter and to the faithful observance of, quote, the liturgical and disciplinary traditions, end quote, of the church in accordance with the provisions of the Modu Proprio Ecclesia Dei of July 2nd, 1988, which is at the origin of our foundation. The superiors of the priestly fraternity will be studying the document more closely while maintaining our ministry to the faithful entrusted to our care, end quote. The problem here is that the document does address the FSSP just indirectly. They have already been dismissed from various dioceses due to Traditionis Custodis, and the document provides blanket statements that limits the ability of any priest who says the traditional mass across the board to limiting them to one a day and ending the traditional sacraments. So why they say the former Ecclesia Dei groups are not affected by it is strange. But the part of the document most pointing to the whole concept of synodality not applying to those of us who want to preserve the Catholic faith is this. In Responses at Dubium, Archbishop Roach actually states that diocesan parishes cannot advertise in their parish bulletin the times for traditional Latin masses, that they must be kept essentially secret. Eric Sammons, publisher of both Crisis Magazine and 1 Peter 5, correctly called this peak ultramontanism, since the, post, the Pope must now approve every parish bulletin. Now, of course, he won't really have to, and any parish priest worth his salt will ignore that silly directive. Or more probably, the bishop will call his priest and tell them not to worry about it at all. But for those who cannot comply, the Coalition for Cancelled Priests released the following statement. It's short, so here it is in its entirety. Quote, While there will be much commentary in the next several weeks 
end days due to the direct that was just released by the Congregation for Divine Worship. In regard to the so-called dubia about the traditional Latin Mass, the Coalition for Cancelled Priests wants to make clear that to all priests of goodwill that we will support priests who feel they cannot go along with the draconian restrictions placed on the celebration of the ancient rite, both the Mass and the other sacraments. This is especially true for priests who are part of the so-called Ecclesia Dei communities. The Roman Catholic Church is not governed by legal positivism. The laity cannot be silent to this illegal act. One main reason many priests have been cancelled is their support of tradition. The coalition will not stand for this outrageous and unnecessary attack on traditional priests and laity. We strongly encourage the laity, who attend only the Novus Ordo Missae, and might wonder what this has to do with them, that this attack on so-called traditional Catholics is an attack on all faithful, Orthodox Catholics. It is time for all faithful Catholics to stand side by side and truly unite the clans through uncompromising, upholding, and faithfully living the holy traditions that have been handed on to us by our ancestors in the faith. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have learned, whether by word or by epistle. See 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. End quote. Which, which brings us back to Dr. McCall's piece. He reminds us that the order is in fact illegal and not to be obeyed. Quote, Throughout this article, when I refer to the CDW document banning or requiring certain things, I mean that the document purports to do such things. I do not mean to imply that its attempts to forbid what cannot be forbidden, or demand what cannot be demanded, have legal effect or bind in conscience. This document, as well as Francis's Traditionis Custodis, are, to use St. Thomas's language, illegal laws. They are not laws at all, but rather acts of violence. Being acts contrary to the divine and natural law, directed not to the common good of the Church, and exceeding the authority of the Holy See, these documents are of no legal force and effect. Yet, unless bishops and priests are willing to fulfill their duty and exercise their right to refuse these illegal laws, what I describe as consequences will follow from this violent attack. I do not hope for such an outcome. On the contrary, I sincerely hope that this event will be a moment of grace for bishops and priests to rise up and resist the dictator pope and his minions to their face. See Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. And stand for the rights of God and his church. End quote. No bishop is bound to obey it, and neither are the former Ecclesia Dei communities, even if they exist at the pleasure of the Pope. The Jesuits were once suppressed and later restored, and the FSSP and others can be restored later if need be as well. They face extinction due to the reasons outlined by McCall in his article. The purpose of this document was to bury sacred tradition forever. Plain and simple, and that was their idea from the beginning of this papacy. Francis's mission is to bury the Catholic faith. He himself is running the program given to him by the men who helped make him what the world thinks is Pope in 2013, by his own admission. And in Julia Maloney's new book on the St. Gallen Group, she makes it clear that, through meticulous research, that the St. Gallen Group's entire purpose was anti-Tridentine in purpose. And I don't mean just anti-what gets called the Tridentine Mass, the traditional Latin Mass, which predates the Council of Trent by at least a thousand years, but anti-Council of Trent itself. They reject the decrees of a holy and infallible council that bears a lot of anathemas, and they wish to remake the church in their own image. They believe Vatican II didn't go far enough, so in the name of Vatican II, they attempt to bury the faith. That is their purpose, and to do that, they must change how Catholics worship. For the law of the church that states, Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi. As we worship, so we believe, so we live. That is their aim here, and you have no duty to follow what they want. They are spiritual pied pipers, and their decrees lead only to, per to perdition. 
At the time of the production of this video, the SSPX had yet to formally respond to the decree. When they do, I'll present it here as well. I've never been an anti-SSPX person, and I'm against, in principle, the attempts to take them down in our times. Their response should be interesting, to say the least. But let me know what you think of this in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't, it really does help. Again, thanks to the patrons for making this flurry of coverage possible. It is truly appreciated. As always, please pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.